Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Coming to you, as always, from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. My name is John Mark Tolley, and I am joined once again by my new co-host, Mr. Darth Tuba. Uh, how are you today, sir? I'm fine. Bright suns, everyone. From Batu East. Yes. Or close or close to Batu. I've been enjoying vacation and, and doing and been spending a lot of time in Galaxy's Edge, and it's been awesome. Oh, I am so jealous. That's that's definitely a uh, a bucket list of mine is to go. And it um, should be. Go there. Yes. It's yes. it's been I've been fortunate enough to get there uh, you know, pretty much the last, you know, since it opened. And then last year, even even though we had our, our shutdown, uh, it did open up in the summer when we usually go. So we were there with no crowds, which was fantastic, but also weird. And now uh, it's not like that. It's crowds are back, like more than they mm -hmm. were before. And uh, we, you know, it's been it's been a uh, it's it's been a little bit harder to maneuver. But the nice thing about Galaxy's Edge is that uh, at the moment right now, they don't have any fireworks at night. So mm -hmm. everybody leaves to go to other parks where there are fireworks. So the last yeah. hour, hour and a half, you can walk around plenty of space, easy to get into everything, with the exception of the Rise of the Resistance ride, which, of course, you still need. Yeah. So, But we managed to ride that twice on this trip because um, we've been able to get our boarding groups. So I think we finally cracked the code on how to do that. So, well, uh, we don't have a lot of news this week. At least I didn't see any big news in the Star Wars universe. The only thing that I saw is uh, has more to do with the online presence um, and some of the other podcasts and YouTubers. Uh, a while while back, I think it was two years ago, 2018, I think is what he said. There's a YouTuber called Star Wars Theory. Uh, who did a fan film called Star Wars uh, Vader Shards, uh, Shards of the Past. Amazing fan film. Just outstanding. Spent something he said like $300,000 oh of his own money to do this. And he wanted to do a sequel for a while. And obviously Corona kind of put a halt to that. So he today he announced that they were going to start uh, production next year, filming next year, he hoped. And they're going to be filming, they filmed the first Vader movie in LA. This one they're going to be filming in his home city of Vancouver, BC. Oh, and okay. he's hoping to get it. He said he's waiting until they end the mandatory testing um, to, do, to, to do that because he wants to save as much money as he can so he's waiting until all that gets so he's hoping next year 2022 to start okay. filming of that but i highly highly suggest going watching vader shards of the past amazing fan film is that available like on youtube yeah just just okay. look uh just look vader shards of the past or look up star wars theory okay um he's one of the biggest huge i think he's got something like Three million subscribers. Wow. Okay. Um, he's one of the biggest YouTube YouTuber YouTubers. Definitely Star Wars, Star Wars, Wars theory. theory. I just I don't I just never never caught the uh, the fan the film we put together. So I'll definitely do that. Uh, I do have uh, yeah a definitely do that. 
I did want to share, uh, if it's okay, a little bit of collecting news. This is sure. also my, my yes. forte, and that is that um, Hasbro announced, uh, for those who don't know, I'm also a, I'm a big Star Wars collector, uh, mainly Hasbro Black Series, which is the six-inch figures, and then what's called the Vintage Collection, which are basically three and three-quarter inch figures in the Vintage Collection packaging. That's the basic thing that they have going on right now. And uh, they announced some interesting stuff. They have uh, mostly Black Series. They announced a uh, Commander Wolf uh, six-inch action figure, which is essentially the Dave Filoni character from Mandalorian. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't include – I don't know if – I can't include pictures, but if you if you go into uh, you know, any, any, any Star Wars news site, we'll show it to you. It looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, it's just funny to see him, you know, dressed as his character. Some people are kind of complaining that they didn't include, or at least the prototype did not include his signature cowboy hat, which I get. <laughs> um, so that was one thing that was cool. And then another thing that they announced was a coming coming soon was a a little diorama, which is based on a three and three quarter inch diorama that they came out in the '90s. That they made a black series version of it of. Obi-Wan, Hondo Baba, Dr. Evazan, the little encounter that they have at the cantina mm-hmm. bar. And it actually includes a little cantina bar, which I thought was a nice oh, touch. Cool. And then lastly, yeah, I think definitely. three and three quarter inch Emperor Palpatine from Return of the Jedi, which I wanted to you know mm-hmm. appropriate, has a nice you know, has a nice has his nice throne with a nice backdrop of the space field, the star field with the with the really cool design of his window. Um and it's in a nice, really cool Return of the Jedi uh, Kenner-inspired box, as if it was released back in the '80s. So, really excited about those things. Yeah. Unlike other announcements, they have not announced when they will be made available for pre-order or to purchase outright. But excited mm-hmm. about that. And for those who know, I mean, those who may not collect, uh, it's been a little frustrating to be a collector these days because of well, ever since Toys R Us closed. Um, or at least yeah. in, the, in our country, uh, it is just there has not been any mega releases of figures or toys. Yeah, even in, in, in places like Walmart, Target, other big box places are not carrying. Yeah, them. I noticed. Like, I work at Walmart, and I know like the two I noticed recently that came out were the Bocaton mm-hmm. uh, Dark Dark series and the. Um, they have one from the Bad Batch, the Special Forces. Tech, yeah. Tech or Echo, I can't remember, but one of them. I think. Yeah, they, they didn't have, no, no, this was an actual Stormtrooper. Oh, they're oh the, okay. uh, I can't remember what they called them. They're, the, they're, they're like the ones that were the, in uh, the Bad Batch that, that actually the the human, not the clones, where they're bringing in. They gave them like a specific name. Oh, like I know what you're talking about. Special, yeah. special, troop, special yeah. Elite Forces. Special Forces. Trooper. Yeah. Special Elite Forces, yeah. Uh, so those are the only two that I've seen at Wal that I've noticed at Walmart. But yeah. I mean, so, everybody's pretty yeah. much sticking to pre-ordering, and then they get the stuff months later in boxes, individually sent by Walmart or Amazon or wherever. Yeah. So Which, but, who knows? I might be the one sending those to you guys. That would be cool because that's what I do at my job. <laughs> oh, all right. I am the one who goes and shops for shops for the stuff. If you order yeah. it and packages okay. it up and sends it out. Now that I know this, <laughs> we may, we're going to have to talk some more. <laughs> awesome. All right. But speaking, so let's 
let's so we're going to talk return of the jedi today correct yes we are we are continuing our series looking through all of the movies star wars saga universe starting with episode one and finally ending with episode nine today we have my personal favorite of the star wars movies episode six return of the jedi Yay. um yub 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 so <laughs> quickly I've, I've said this before on the show but i'll just kind of reiterate this return of the jedi holds a special place in my heart because it was the first movie i ever remember seeing in the theater that wasn't like a little kid's movie so it wasn't like a rated g cartoon or something like this it was the first grown-up real quote-unquote real movie that i saw in theaters that i remember going to see was return of the jedi uh so it holds a very special place in my heart um very cool so yeah yeah uh well let's just talk i mean let's just talk return of the jedi for just a second before going to the whole breakdown of it absolutely um i will share that it uh it, i do it it is my favorite uh, star wars film in in the original trilogy as well mm -hmm. Um, I was a little older. I do. I do recall seeing the first, uh, the first two, New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> but I do uh, feel that, that I was just much more cognit cognizantly aware of it, mm -hmm. of Return mm -hmm. of the Jedi. I was also aware that at that time it was the last Star Wars film. It was like Star Wars was kind of oh yeah to a big grand finale. So I was extremely, extremely excited for that movie to come out. Yeah, I was. I was. A, I remember I was in seventh grade, and the real reason I remember this is I was immensely jealous of my eighth grade class the year ahead of me, because they all got to go and see the movie. They actually went took them on a field trip to see. It was a, right close to the end of the school year, so the eighth grade had you know event was they all got to go see Return of the Jedi, and I was oh. very much trying you know angry that I didn't get to do that, but. Um, yeah, it was okay. It was it was fine. I got there. I got to see it. I got to see it a few times in the theater, and it was it yeah. didn't disappoint. But it's interesting, yeah. yes, to hear so many people talk about how it's. I've heard a lot of people talk about it's their favorite movie, and I just remember yeah. they, they. I remember reading through back in the day, kids, no internet. We had Starlog magazine, basically. That was what mm -hmm. we had, and there were a lot of negative. Um, fan reaction that was written in Starlog magazine and, you know, letters to the editor uh, about the Ewoks, about mm -hmm. the Jabba aliens, about, oh, you know, all the different, you know, they it was wrapped up too neatly, that kind of thing, which I didn't understand. Yeah. I didn't understand it as a child. And I yeah, didn't I didn't. Yeah, I still, yeah. Well, I mean, even um, we did a, a poll on our Twitter page um, where the or the stars one, if you want to go there. And we do this poll every week where we take the movie that we're looking at and ask. And this one had over 200 some views of votes. And let me, I can look it up real quick. I'm, I'm, I am too. And actually, most of them said. Go on. Yep. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I had seen it myself, uh, and in fact, I uh, I actually took part in the poll. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that's why. Uh, okay, mine's slow. You can tell me what were the numbers. 
Uh, actually, oh, eighty-four percent said yes. Return of the Jedi was awesome. Yes, one point six percent said no, which I want to know who those people are. Thirteen uh, percent said it was okay, and 08 percent asked, "What is the Star Wars?" What is Star Wars? <laughs> those are the people I. That's oh, the person I know. I think they know. I just think they're being silly. Um, but again, like, like, yeah, I ask these questions because, you know, I think, you know, how much of it is nostalgia and how much of it is, it was actually a good movie, and, um, because I think, and I, I said this a few weeks ago that. You can like a movie and think of, you know, enjoy a movie, but look at it and, and say to yourself, yeah, I enjoyed this movie, but it's not a good movie. Um, I gave the example of the, the uh, Flash Gordon movie, mm -hmm. uh, the, 19, the, old, the, the cheesy 1970s with the, uh, the Queen soundtrack of Flash. <laughs> awesome it's a great movie to watch to sit down but objectively it's not a good movie I like see the acting is bad so yeah um you know that's what i was kind of doing especially with the original trilogy is looking at these like okay are these actually good movies or do we have this kind of rose-colored you know glasses on of nostalgia on looking at them going like don't mess with our Star Wars. Star Wars is awesome. Well, you know, I think, you know, it's fine to look at something objectively and ask yourself, is this objectively good? Is this objectively bad? Um, from a technical standpoint. That's cool what I'm doing here. So no, I understand. Um, and that's that's great. And I but I do, you know, and I and you know, when I look at a it's funny, when I think of a film like Return of the Jedi, and then next to it, I think of a film like um Flash Gordon, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't, th to me, that's an apples and oranges. They're, they're so, so yeah. different of a thing. I mean, and yeah, part of it, and again, it falls into something we talked about last week, which was just how much of, you know, how much of all the Star Wars movies really remain timeless in so many ways. I mean, yeah. yes, some of the effects maybe don't hold up as well as they do as, as, as new effects come out today, but I do believe that a lot of the effects really do hold up. Oh, I do. Me too. Me too. And 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 some of them are just like still things today that we just absolutely adore about yeah. about Star Wars. Well, I know? even I even said this before that you know with something like a, a property like let's say Star Trek, you see so many scientists who come out and will say, "I became a, a scientist because I saw Spock." Or I became a doctor because I saw Dr. McCoy uh, or an engineer because of, you know, watching Scotty on the Enterprise. And I wonder how many people that are in special effects or became producers or directors did that because I watched Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I watched Empire Strikes Back. I watched Return of the Jedi and said, I want to do that. I want to see how they make, I want to, I want to know how they did that amazing magic. And I want to do that. Um, so, yeah. Yep. No, I agree. Yeah. Well, let's get right. Let's get right into it then with Return of the Jedi and uh, the the acting point part. 
So, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'll no, you you started off here. All right. So acting. Uh, well, first of all, let's look at you know you're you're not seeing very much of a um, a lot of newbies in this. They're all uh, no. seasoned attorney, seasoned returning yeah. actors that have gotten uh, you know at this point six years or so, six to eight years to really hone mm -hmm. their characters and, and get them the way they want. Not really, you mm -hmm. know, from from the very hands-off directing approach to George Lucas to the very hands-on directing approach of Urban Kirshner. And now you're moving on to the the acting style or the yep. directing style. I know we're not talking about directing yet, but uh, Richard Marabon, yeah. who I know a lot of talk was about how George Lucas was kind of stepping in and kind of doing a little bit more directing probably on this film than he would have wanted to. Um, yeah. So, but if, as far as the acting is concerned, you know, you every single person in there, you got Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, including you know, and even Anthony Daniels and you know Peter Mayhew, Billy D. Williams. I mean, they're all mm -hmm. they're all so much uh, seasoned in what they're doing. Yeah, so well, especially like Harrison Ford at this point, he done Indiana Jones. Right, I think he done. Had he done both? Had he done one? Had he done? Uh, uh, he'd done Raiders of the Lost Ark by this point, I think. But had yeah, he done, done Raiders? Blade um, and and when was Blade Runner? Was that Blade Runner was the late seventies, I think. Early like eighty one. No, it was eighty two. Like it was eighty two. Eighty two. So he so did he'd Blade done Blade Runner. Runner. He yeah, done so Blade he Runner. He done. Right. He done. Then, he done at least done uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So he was becoming a recognized, really big recognized name. Right. Um, there was a comfort. There was a yeah. familiarity and a comfort with the roles. Even though they did yeah. provide us with new new experiences, new adventures, new new backdrops, you know, new circumstances that they had to, you know, they found themselves in that they had to get out of. But there was a there was just this familiar kind of family feel that they all mm -hmm. kind of took with them in the way they they acted, and I felt that that was very appropriate. And I, you know, I and then on top of that, you add the newness of an actor like Ian McDermott, who mm. was a, you know an extremely talented uh, stage actor, and at the time, and he comes in and he does this, you know, all you know over the top villainous emperor, you know, yeah. like somebody. Who could be worse than Vader? So that, yes, you know, yeah. So yeah, that I, I remember like that was always the big, the big thing when they went ever that opening scene when he meant when he gives the line to uh, the uh, the admiral, the the commander of the dust of the Death Star, the admiral, yeah. the emperor is not as forgiving as I am. Joe sitting there thinking as a kid, like, wait a minute, there's someone who's worse than you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody could be worse than Vader. It's funny too because, like, when you think about it, we had already seen the Emperor briefly mm -hmm. in Empire Strikes yeah. Back, and and it, you know it was it was a weird look, and it wasn't a very you know and it was the, the blue hologram kind of thing, and it was but but I remember thinking, wow, who is this guy that Vader is genuflecting to? You know, yeah. I remember that, that as a kid, and then when you get that comment in the beginning of Return of the Jedi, you know, you're thinking, all right, oh. This is like the the greatest setup 
for the entrance of a villain ever. So, oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you take all those, you know, the, all those experienced actors, and then you throw something like Ewoks into the mix, which I'm sorry that, or not just Ewoks, um, the Jabba's aliens, you know, all these yeah. creatures, all these people behind masks that have to mm-hmm. emote. And um, I felt that I they don't get enough credit, you know, they don't get. Oh enough yeah, credit. many of them did yeah. so without any any other anything other than just a mask on a face, you know. Not even any, you know, cables or anything like that to to move stuff around. Uh, and then, of course, you have the Ewoks and, you know, all these little people and children coming in to play these roles. And they just did, I mean, you know, they knocked it out. Yeah. Of the they made yeah, those. I, I mean, that, I, again, that was a situation of, you know, I know from, you know, reading, reading different things and watching different interviews that, the the idea of Luke or Lucas initially had was he wanted to do the Battle of Endor on Kashyyyk with the Wookies. and have it be with the Wookies and obviously because of budget restraints and technology restraints of the time they couldn't do that so I think that was a situation of you know getting lemons and making lemonade out of it you know the best yeah. lemonade you can have with Ewoks yeah right and it also said in one of one of the one of the uh, interviews of like maybe it was. Uh, by the way, two great, absolutely phenomenal making of um, documentaries, if you haven't seen them, would be um, Classic Creatures Return of the Jedi, which was essentially the TV mm-hmm. special. It was hosted by Billy yeah. Dillon and Carrie Fisher, but it's got some great behind-the-scenes footage. And then that, that's actually available, I think, on either the Blu-ray set, box set of the whole thing, or the the... Um, one of the sets, it's it's available, mm-hmm. and then from Star Wars to Jedi: The Making of a Saga, uh, which was um, narrated by Mark Hamill, I believe in that mm-hmm. one George had mentioned that um, another reason that he, he strayed away from the, the original Wookiee idea was that you know for the purposes of he needed it to be um, you know a, 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 an army of primitives you know that were mm-hmm. not you know that were going to yeah. be using sticks and, and they already. And he had already established yeah. that Chewbacca was a, 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 a you know, a, an intelligent creature that could fly yeah. a spaceship. So yeah. what, it would be hard to explain why he could do that and the rest of the Wookiees were still living in. Yeah, in but he did eventually get his Wookiee battle. Yes, he in, did. Uh, was so three, he got high his Wookiee battle. He got his yeah. but it was a high-tech Wookiee battle. It was pretty yeah. cool. So. Yeah. All right, so acting. Uh, you know, there, there really was very little... I mean, I guess one could argue if you wanted to have, if you wanted to put a little bit of not holding up. And it's hard to even say that because they brought Ian McDermott back. You know, I was going to talk about yeah. how I you know, mentioned his his acting was a little over the top. Um, well, I think I think that was in line with what George was trying to go for, though. He was right. Well, he, that's why he brought in these kind of theater actors, like in the original Star Wars, bringing in uh, someone like a. Uh, Sir Alec Guinness and uh, Tarkin, um, both right. who had theater theater backgrounds, and in theater, a lot of times you have to be very loud and over the top. Exactly. Um, and that, I mean, when you look at his, what about Rogers, the serials, which were very a lot of times very over the top and very grandiose. So. You know, bringing someone like Ian McDermott in and doing this kind of over the top, I think that was just in line for what George was looking for. And I he wanted say that, that. 
I have to say that it connects very well with the prequel trilogy, with yeah. bringing him back in *The Rise of Skywalker*. So, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I don't, I didn't feel it didn't feel jarring at any point. Yeah, in any of these yeah. future movies to see that character, even though it was, it was slightly, obviously, it was in a kind of in a different. The character was at a different phase of life or afterlife. So, um, yeah, you know, I think that's yeah, right. but I, I think it was good. Like he wanted that mustache twirling, twirling villain, right? With with what you got with the emperor, you know, especially when, when you have the big, re- you already had the big reveal of last one, and now you're going for which will spoilers if you haven't seen Return of the Jedi, which why are you? Why are you watching or listening to this? <laughs> yeah, why what uh the redemption of Vader. Right. Um, you needed that, you know, strict villain, you know, this is the good guy, this is the bad guy type of a thing. So exactly. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see really any like you said, you know, the, the actors were very familiar with their characters, very familiar with their roles. They, you know, been doing this for a while now. So it became, you know, second nature and second, you know, almost a second skin for for them as far as doing these roles and being these characters, you know. It's yeah, I think this is the one especially where they became these characters. I think they started to see it in, it wasn't just Mark Hamill playing Luke Skywalker. Mark Hamill now was Luke Skywalker. Exactly. Um, you know, Carrie Fisher now was Princess Leia. Um, you know, they, they were these characters now, not just actors portraying these characters, you know. Um, I think this is like, you do really, really whatever say became these. So... Uh, well, what are you going to rank the acting? So it's uh, out of 30. I'm going to say 30. I'm going to give it the full full score. I have to agree. I have to agree. So now we go on to directing, which is very much connected to the, um, the acting, I think. I think all of these are connected together. I mean... Um, So, yeah, uh, I think that, I think that uh, again, the directing in this particular one was uh, a little bit of an unusual thing. They brought uh, Richard Marquand in. I believe some of that. I know that um, George's first choice was going to be Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. but uh, due to the fact that he had, uh, if you recall, and obviously everybody recalls that the very first. Star Wars A New Hope uh, came out with the big Star Wars logo followed by the period of Civil War scroll and no credits. The credits were pushed to the end, which mm-hmm. uh, the Directors Guild did not like. So, But they allowed it for the first film. But he did it again for the second film and mm-hmm. he got fined. And Irving Kirshner got fined as well. So George paid that fine out of his pocket, but he left all of the he left the directors guild. He left all this all that stuff, so he could no longer just pick any director he wanted. So he had to go with a director that was not part of the guild, 
which I think was somebody from England, which is why he chose Richard Barquan. And uh, Richard, I don't think, was up for the, at least at first, I don't think he was really understanding what was going, what was needed to go into directing a big sci-fi epic space fantasy yeah. of any kind, let alone the conclusion of one of the biggest franchises of all time. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, it was a challenge for him. And so therefore uh, it is widely known that George Lucas was very hands-on with this. Mm-hmm. He was very hands-on with a lot of what was going on. Not that Richard Marquan didn't do anything he did and he deserves credit as director, but it, it there was a lot of hand-holding by George. And uh, so, you know, that it, it did create the potential for some, for some issues. And you can, and you can read the making of the um, JW Rinsler's making of return of the Jedi. Great book. And talks a lot about a lot of the, that they don't, they don't hide a lot of the drama and things that were going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And do you think that, and you, do you think you can see George's influence in this movie more than you could see, say in empire? Um, um, I think yes, I would say you can, because in the because of the fact that in the second in Empire Strikes Back, you know Irving Kirshner was was able to do a lot and work a lot with the actors in ways that I don't think Richard Marquand would have been able to do. Now yeah. that's just my own observation. Uh, mm-hmm. I also feel that you know I think George Lucas had a you know there was there was a there was a, a definite if, if empire strikes back there had a, a great deal of stop motion uh type of um of of use of special effects like with the with the ad at walkers and and the tauntaun and things of that nature and not to mention things going on in uh, dagobah i think that you know lucas was delving into the use of creature the creature shop with Yoda and the Wampa and the Tauntaun, and then just hit it into high gear, you know, with mm-hmm. um, with Return of the Jedi, with all of Jabba, Jabba alone, yeah. let alone well, all of the creatures, you know. Oh, it was like he. he well, one thing we got to go. Go on. Oh, go 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 ahead. No, I was just, gonna say one thing. We one person we've forgotten to mention when we were even talking about actors, and even last week is Frank Oz. Oh, absolutely, Frank! Oz. Oh, I amazing, amazing! Um, yeah, I, I I could not agree more. Um, the, you know, he just he he made you believe in this little character. He made you believe. Yeah. He made you mourn when you watched Yoda die. Uh, you know? Yeah, so much so, by the way, that I didn't hear what he said about there is another Skywalker. Oh. I was still like, like in tears watching him yeah. fade away and then i just you know it was only on my second viewing i think that i went wait wait wait, what, what did he say so there's another yeah but uh absolutely and you know but again back to the creature uh mm-hmm. the use of creatures i mean that that t- takes a lot of direction to make that something that you can get behind and you can understand and you can find believable you know so but there was some confusion with that uh, with the who's directing what, mm-hmm. and I think that um, there might have been a some 
occasional moments, you know, where things kind of, you know, got a little, you know, dro dropped down a little bit for me, but nothing I would say is even hardly worth mentioning. Uh, I think yeah. that. Well, I think, I think this is a completely different, like nowadays, a lot of movies will have multiple directors. Oh, you know, I, I, you'll I have like the, the big time when it came to that. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, for for back then, you know, it was usually you know, as far as I I, I know, most movies had like one director that was the director. You know, might have assistants, but um, but I mean, again, I don't think it hurt the movie. I mean, in, in the slightest in the long term, no. But um, uh, and I will what, say, what, yeah, at that time it was the only. At, at that time, Richard Marquan, only director to uh, up to there, play a role in the movie. Do you know which oh. role? Did you know? I do not. I do not. He is one of the ATST drivers that, oh. is, that, that Chewie put, yanks out of the thing. And when they when Chewie and the two Ewoks take over, he's one of the drivers. He's one of the ATST drivers. I think Robert Watts was the other one. Hmm. So watch it again. You'll, you'll kind of recognize. I mean, they got the they got the the face shield down, or you know, like the 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 visor. Yeah. Down to see, but if you look closely, you'll see. So interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, what would you give the directing for? That's out of thirty. Out of thirty. Yeah. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. I'm not going to go okay. perfect. Um, also, uh, I will say that I will say that. You know, it's such a hard job to wrap up mm -hmm. a trilogy, to wrap up oh, a story yeah. like this, because you want to wrap it up, but you run the risk of making it too, too neat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and and not that I yeah. think it was. I mean, I, I will say that this isn't really about this gets kind of more into story or writing. So I don't want to go, you know, I don't want to put this on the director, but it is hard. It is, you know, it is hard to wrap something mm -hmm. up. That's, you know, it's it's one thing if you have an entire story being told, beginning, middle, and end in one, two, two and a half hour sitting. But this is essentially mm -hmm. like a seven and a half hour story that they're wrapping up. Yeah. So, so yeah, but I still think yeah. it was almost, yeah. almost perfect. So I say 29. Definitely. Well, let's go right now to then to the dialogue and the writing of Star Wars. Return of the Jedi. Um, I mean, does this does this kind of have the same same things that the other um, other movies have had as far as their the dialogue goes? That do you, again, do you see more George Lucas in this movie than you did in Empire with the dialogue? Do you think there's more of a? I think that George grew a little bit as the actors yeah. grew. So mm -hmm. I felt that the dialogue was a little bit more comfortable. Um, I, you know, there was, you know, it was a pretty simple, you know, the, the mission when it came to the, the second Death Star, there was some familiarity with the fact that it was a second Death Star. But I liked that even yeah. though it was derivative of the first movie, when it came to that, um, the way that they, you know, they, they took advantage of the fact that it was incomplete and they could they could fly in very easily to take it out if they could just get the shield down. Like it wasn't yeah. about 
it wasn't about finding a weakness or whatever. It was about, you know, look, the thing is only partially built. We can, we can take it out before it even gets finished. We just got to get the shield down. So the mission all became about the shield, which I thought was good. It was different. It came into, you know, it made, it made it more interesting. You didn't know how it was going to play out. And I thought that was really good. So I think, and as far as dialogue was concerned, I didn't feel there was anything, you know, there were no cringeworthy, oh. cringeworthy, cringeworthy. No, if anything, it, if anything, I think Return of the Jedi had some of my favorite lines. Oh, like yeah. some great, great lines in there. Uh, and just some great, just great scenes. Just, you I, know. I mean, it's partially the character. And, and I guess we should have talked about this with um, Mark, with uh, the acting. But yeah. the, pres the presentation, I'm sorry to digress a bit, but uh, I guess it goes into dialogue a little bit too. The presentation, the, the the introduction of Luke Skywalker in this movie was, in my opinion, one of the most you know celebrated moments in movie history when it came to mm -hmm. a character's entrance, particularly a returning character's entrance. Mm -hmm. Because this was a character, like you think about the progression, and we talked about this in, in previous episodes, but the progression of Mark's Ham Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker from New Hope, Empire, Jedi. Among, I mean, New Hope and Empire, there was a tiny bit of, of, of similarity, but, you know, he was a whiny teenager, rightfully so, you know, watched, running to get off the farm in the first movie. He was a, now kind of like trying to be a cocky, uh, you know, space yeah. hero in the second movie, yeah. only to get knocked down seriously by mm -hmm. both, not just by, by Vader, but also by his own allies, by by the you know with the, you know by Yoda, by Obi Wan, with all this information that he had to have the burden of, and then you go to Jedi, and you know there is a serious change in him. I mean, his, what is the first thing we see him do? Walk oh. in, he chokes the pig guard, he chokes the Gamorrean guard. Yeah, like, oh. who is this guy? This is this is yeah. not the person we left you know with without missing the hand and. You know, you know, laying there, almost dying in the Falcon. This is like a, this is a Jedi. This is a, you know, a bad MF if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> that's why when 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 people um, and I and I'm sorry, I'm digressing more, but I'm just going to because you know, hey, oh, that's fine, that's fine. But when people complain about, and we'll get to it, you know, the Last Jedi and about some of his, um. You know, they didn't like the character or how how Luke was played out. Even Mark Hamill complained about it. You know, I'll talk more about it when we get to that. I did not understand that criticism. I can understand other criticisms. I didn't understand that one because I remember this Luke from Return of the Jedi, and I felt that this was a Luke that was he turned almost completely around to become all about the mission, all about saving his friends, putting others before himself. And even after he, after the whole Jabba adventure, where we got to have a little bit of you know action oriented Luke, you know that whole time on Endor, he's like he senses Vader, and he just he wants out. He doesn't he wants to get himself away from there so he doesn't hurt his friends, so he doesn't mm -hmm. endanger his friends. He goes up goes off to try to sacrifice himself on the Death Star. I mean, I you know that was what Luke did. He, he, he removed himself from the situation. So I felt it was totally in line with his character arc yeah. moving forward, even though there was a lot of a chunk of time that we didn't see. But I just understood that. So anyway, 
going back to it. I sorry, I digressed, but oh no, that's fine. That's fine. That's just, just to that. point out Mark's growth and, and and I'm sorry, sorry, Luke's growth as a character, um, and the way his dialogue was presented uh, was very much like this guy was in charge. It's it's like mm-hmm. you just felt in Jabba's palace that he had you know ten moves ahead in the chess game against Jabba, whether he did or he yeah, didn't. Very- he yeah, his, his dialogue was very much, if you notice, he, he never, for most of the most of his dialogue, especially when he's talking to someone like Jabba or even the Emperor, you never see emotion. Right. He just always, he just stands like this and just very direct, very, um, you know. But he was able to take that was very true with him when it came to his face off with Jabba and his face off with Emperor. But mm-hmm. his moments on Endor, particularly when he was like chasing the uh, you know jumping on the speeder bike with Leia, you know there was a definite action oriented Luke who was all about getting oh, yeah. done. And then you know it was he didn't have that over overabundance of joy. That you might have seen him, or that overabundance of of like cockiness, he was just you know. But he did have a little bit more emotional connection to his sister. Mm-hmm. Well, what would we would we find out would be his sister, to sister, his yeah. friends, you know, to and then even to his father. So you could see that come out a little bit more in those moments. So I thought it was fantastic, mm-hmm. and I thought the dialogue there wasn't really anything about again no cringeworthy moments for me. So no, and I even like you know callbacks, you know, um, to Empire. There's a big, the big one I can think of off my head is the "I love you, I know" callback. Yeah, like where it's Leia, Leia, they flip it around, and it's now uh, Han saying "I love you" and Leia saying "I know." Yeah, yeah well, I, I mean, love, I love that callback. I and speaking of Leia, you got to give it up for Carrie Fisher for what she had to endure in this movie. Um, and and what yeah. she had to endure as a and what Leia as a character had to endure with but you know being thrown in that slave outfit and then but then choking Vader or check Vader choking uh, Jabba with the change which I thought I never really thought of that until she Carrie Fisher pointed that out later in life more recently yeah before, before she passed away and I went yeah you know that's true I mean she she was a slave. And in chains, and she ended up choking her captor with the chains. And then yeah. later, you know, she's the one who jumps up on a speeder bike, you know, guns blazing, and go after the go after the bikers' house. And then, you know, she, she's the one. Yeah, she gets she gets shot, and even in even in getting shot, she still saves hands, but by you know mm-hmm. shooting the shooting the stormtrooper. Yeah. So yeah, people talk talk about you know, oh, there were no you know powerful you know women back back then you know in movies they're all the damsels in distress i'm like um have you seen star wars carrie fish you know leia was the one that was saving han and luke's butt half the time (laughs) was leia so yeah i don't i don't get i don't buy that whole thing of like oh there are no strong there Strong female characters are only something that's you know happening recent happened recently. Like no, um, you know, not even just Star Wars. You know, Ripley from the uh, Aliens franchise. You know, you can look at a 
but yeah, yeah, great strong. Well, you're right, and, and 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 it's nice to see that you know she was able to again wrap up that character in such a cool way, um, and you know still be able to contribute in a great way to that film. So, um, but yeah, so acting or sorry, not acting, um, the dialogue. I feel like the dialogue was. You know, yeah, a lot like you said, a lot of callbacks, a lot of repeated poetic beats, um, which is to, something that Luke, Luke George talks about a lot about yep. poetry and his symmetry and the and the writing and everything comes full circle. And uh, can we just say, like, I'm gonna give it a perfect twenty. Yeah, I agree. Perfect twenty. Perfect twenty. Now we come to the big one. Uh, I think uh, story, storytelling and how everything was kind of really, like you said, wrapped up very well. Um, and let me just, let me just, and I, I use this in my uh, a second poll I did on Twitter. I'll just give it to you. Who was the Jedi who returned? Ah, oh, I saw that. Okay. Who was the Jedi? Because this has been kind of a because you can look at it from I, some point of... I don't think it's a matter of debate. I think it's Vader. I think it's and Vader. It was, and I'll tell you why. I don't think Luke became a Jedi until he confronted Vader. Mm -hmm. So I don't really think that... that and, and even then, you know, I, I don't... Cause he didn't become one. It would have been creation of the Jedi or the formation yeah. of the Jedi. Of the Jedi. Or the you know it, it he never he wasn't there yet to return, so for him to yeah. return he would have had to have been a Jedi already and he wasn't a Jedi, he mm -hmm. said so. Like Yoda confirmed it. He said I then You're I am a Jedi. Jedi. Say no, not no, not until you confront Vader. You yeah. must confront Vader. I, yeah, I agree. So we I could also I mean, make the argument that it was the return of the Order of right. the Jedi as a as a group. You know there there's you know, as we've seen through, you know, uh, Rebels and now the Mandalorian, there were still Jedi who were out there, but mm -hmm. they weren't part of this, you know, group. And now once Vader was, you know, you know, defeated for a sense of a better, of a better, better term, then that allowed Luke to restart the order, you know, this idea of the Jedi being, you okay. know, they kind of came out of the shadows. I, I, I see that. I'm going to just counter it in one, one quick way. And only to say that, okay. um, and again, and by the way, this is just friendly, fun, fun conversation. I don't have a lot of oh, yeah. one way or the other. I'm just saying that in my brain, knowing that it was originally going to be revenge of the Jedi. Right. Mm -hmm. And, that was definitely meant not to be a revenge of like the order of the Jedi. It was meant to be the revenge of a single Jedi. You know, in that case, maybe it was Luke. So then it gets yeah. you wondering if maybe, maybe it was meant to be Luke as the return. But um, be, because, you know, when you imagine revenge of the Jedi, you're thinking of the fact that, you know, Luke got his butt kicked in Empire Strikes Back and now he's out to seek revenge. Um, yeah. You know, so you take away that and change it to return, then it starts to, you know, but you wonder if his original, if Lucas's original idea was it to be revenge, was he talking about Luke? Nonetheless, mm -hmm. I think it makes more poetic sense um, for it to be Vader. 
but I also can subscribe fully to the idea of it being the return of the order. Um, but again, all thanks to Vader. So, because Vader's the one who well, did and then and then while we're still on this, is you know connecting the prequels to the original trilogy now. Um, does that mean that if we if we if we're going to go with the thing of Anakin was the Jedi that did that returned, did that mean that he then fulfilled his destiny as the chosen one, or now do we still think that? Luke was now that yeah once once Anakin turned did that make then Luke the chosen one or you know, once Vader turned back to the light side and rescued his son and saved his son and defeated the Emperor did he then kind of fulfill his destiny as the chosen one or had he already done that I mean that's a, that's an argument you could make that you know he did bring balance to the Force already I would say my my own personal um, subscribe, you know, subscription would be to Vader, Anakin becoming um, uh, the, you know, fulfilling his chosen one prophecy when he killed the Emperor. Mm -hmm. um, and that, and that also maybe in order to achieve that, uh, maybe there was a, whether we meant to do it or not, an idea of taking out the Jedi during Order 66 to help creating, to help create that balance, put that balance out of out of whack to reset itself, even though it took years and yeah. years, years. But I do believe, I do believe that Anakin is the chosen one that fulfilled the prophecy when he killed the Emperor. But yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. again my own opinion based on what I've seen. I don't subscribe to, uh, I don't read a lot of the of the uh, uh, expanded universe. Not saying I don't read any of it. I just don't necessarily make that part of it only mm -hmm. what you see in the movies and the clone wars and the you know the the, the newly created animated stuff so yeah. but yeah, yeah um, a great a great poll though a great poll question oh yeah well i think i mean that's you know this story especially is definitely a redemption and this is one thing i've argued before is i know we talked earlier about this Vader fan film that was made, but I know a lot of people have said, oh, I want you know, they want to see a Vader film. They want to see a Vader film. And I always argue back with, well, they made it. It's called Star Wars. The entire, if you look at Star Wars from episode one to episode seven, you know, as, you know, one monolithic thing, it's a story of, it's, it's Anakin slash Vader story. It shows how he fell to how he was redeemed. The entire thing is Vader's story. Yes. Um, and this is the you know the culmination of Vader's story of Vader or Anakin. I think at this point, you know, especially at the end, you can say Anakin was redeemed. That's what it's all it's all about. Especially Jedi, I think, is very much a story of redemption and forgiveness. You know, Luke having to for you know forgive his father having to um and then vader having to not only forgive not not only having to ask for you know in his own way forgiveness for from luke but forgive himself 
I think that was Vader's biggest thing is there's one thing that Vader hated more than anything in the world. It was himself. Right. Yeah, very good. Yeah, good points. Yeah. Yeah. Good points all. Uh, but yeah, I just, I think, I mean, a great story. Like, like we said before, some great, powerful scenes. Like I said, at the end of last week, my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is Luke throwing down the lightsaber after, after the emperor offers, you know, saying, strike him down, take his place. And he throws the lightsaber down and says, I'm a Jedi, like my father before me, you know? And the way he even just looks at uh, looks back at Vader at that moment when he throws his like, I am a Jedi like my father before me. Um just sends chills up my spine every time. Yeah. Um, very much uh, you know, reminiscent, very much uh, inspired by like like the knights of the round table kind of chivalrous mm -hmm. uh you know, honor and duty and obeying the code. So really, yeah, fantastic. I, yeah. I, I don't think I can go beyond a perfect score for this. You know, I, I, I can't even think of anything. No, no, just, yeah, I it just wrapped everything up and, you know, perfectly, just the entire oh, yeah. saga. Yeah. yeah. Even, even if, even when you were watching it originally, you know, you're like, okay, this wraps everything up and, but at the same time, still left openings for adventures later on. You know, later on, we get the novels. And then eventually, you know, time passed, we get the sequels, which we'll get to next week. Right. Um, but, yeah, I just, yeah, I just remember Star Wars, you know, at this time, it was being so huge. My cousin had all the action figures. Um at the time I came from, my family was very religious. So they were very, they didn't really like me having the action figures. They thought they were, they got over that eventually, but. Um, <laughs> well, you know, you can uh, talk about how, you know, there's, there's so much, uh, I don't want to get into this, but you know, the, it, it's amazing how many different religions can actually take Star Wars and like almost take ownership. And the story had being kind of a, you know, a, 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 a representation of Christianity or, you know, a representation of Hinduism or Islam or, you know, it's like there's, there's, there's beats, of course, you know, getting into the Joseph Campbell hero with a thousand faces ideas with the, with the ideas of that. But I, I do want to point out to the, um, I've said this for every one of my episodes, being a music person, a musician, music teacher, I always like to point out the amazing work that John Williams did uh, with this, with it to help further the story. Um, mm -hmm. One of my absolute favorite uh, themes, Luke and Leia, you know, that, oh. that theme, which, which I was literally in tears again, going into fast forward 30, 40 years to the last Jedi. When you first see Luke and Leia again uh, together in the same space, be a force projection uh and you hear the theme again and i just balled up i just said it was because it's one of my most favorite themes and i remember john williams recently actually talking about it and said he wrote when when return of the jedi came out he had written this gorgeous theme this romantic theme 
for Luke and Leia that he was yeah. so happy with and proud of, only to find out that they're brother and sister. Oh. <laughs> Which I, I do have to say, whenever I hear the complaints and you know that come, I've just, I don't know, I've gotten to the point in my age where I just don't take any of this too seriously. I just love it all. And, yeah. and I appreciate people being critical of it, but I, I, I do. And, you know, I, and I understand particularly those with a storytelling background or a filmmaking background, but uh, when people complain about the whole sequel trilogy, where they didn't have a good idea, a clear idea, what was, where the story was going, they didn't put it all, they didn't map it all out. I said, um, does anybody remember an empire strikes back with Luke and Leia making out? That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, I, I always look at that and I always say, you know, I think that kiss was more just to piss off Han. That wasn't necessarily, it was, I, it, I, I didn't get like a, oh, I'm, I got the hots for this kid. It was okay. more like, oh yeah, I'm going to show you. Be Here. that as it may, there is no way that kiss went down with them knowing that they're going to be brother and sister yeah. three years later. Well, I just... I just, like to see, to, I just like to, to see, you know, like, like, like Chewie, who's old enough to have known Anakin and, yeah. you know, and to seeing this and being like, um, this is awkward. Yeah. Or even, especially R2. R2 who knew everything. Well, R2. You that. R2 knew everything. R2 just is like, it? nope. <laughs> I, I no word. fully believe that R2-D2 can speak actual basic English fine. He just chose yeah. not to because he figured it would just, he's seen too much <laughs> and it's just too wacky and he doesn't want to talk about it. So he just beeps oh. and it leaves it at that. Oh. <laughs> I like, I like Chewbacca just figured be freaky. Yes. Chewbacca just figured humans be freaky. Yep. That's, that's yeah. exactly what Chewbacca well. feels. And, you know, and it's so funny because, but no, my point is that the, the only thing I was saying was that they did not have a they they did not have a clear idea of the story in the original trilogy. They moving from movie to movie, they had like a maybe they had a thumbnail sketch. That's George talking, okay. So yeah. my book, it's if it's good enough for George, you know, and he's one guy. Yeah. It's his story. He's the maker, mm -hmm. and you know you can't you can't sit there and put you know that expectation on anybody else you know you know I, I i mean it's great if they do and i'm not saying that they shouldn't ever shouldn't do that i'm just saying that if you're going to bring in multiple directors they're going to have and, yeah. and, and people to help write you're going to have that happen but we can talk more about that in future episodes uh with this one well i was yeah. i was uh i i was very I, you know most people didn't there wasn't an internet to talk about you know, oh, so Luke mm -hmm. and Leia are sister and brother. Okay, hmm. <laughs> you know, there wasn't yeah. that. So we just kind of talked about it verbally. Wait, amongst our, yeah, amongst ourselves. For a few decades until yeah. people started well, writing up. Before uh, for Return of the Jedi, uh, Will, you gave it a 99. I gave it a 98. A total score of 197, which puts it right up there with... Uh, New Hope. Okay. And uh as our top one of our top ones, I think Rogue Rogue One got a 197. Um so yeah, I think one of our top, definitely one of our top 
top ones. Rightfully so. Yes. And next week is going to be the interesting one because we are moving into the sequel territory. I'm and excited. I, I enjoy, I'm interested to see what our what our weekly poll says. Yes. Um, you know, because they're definitely... And we're also into the territory where George has no control. Right. We're in the post. We're going into the post George Lucas era. JJ um, uh, Abrams territory. So it'll be interesting to see as we look at JJ Abrams, The Force Awakens. Yep. Yeah. So, with that being said, uh, Will, Darth Cuba, uh, where can people find you and uh, check out some of the stuff you're doing? Well, aside from finding me here, uh, typically on Wednesday nights, uh, I, you can find me on my own uh, Darth Tuba Star Wars Unboxing Show channel, channel on YouTube. Uh, generally, new episodes are released every Sunday and Wednesdays. And we are, you know, as I'm down here in Batu, we will be having, we've been kind of flipping back and forth between pre-recorded episodes of uh, some just collecting unboxings and things of that nature from home and some Batu adventures that we've been sharing. Uh, very, you know, but I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Darth Tuba, uh, as well as you can join Darth Tuba Star Wars Unboxing page on Facebook. And... That's the best way to get a hold of me through messaging with those things. Also, email me at DarthTuba77 at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, here, as always, you can get a hold of us by emailing us at WarOfTheStars at gmail.com. As we said before earlier, this that's also our Twitter page. Um, just check that out. We have a lot of fun there. We do a lot of Little polls, stuff like that. Facebook page or Facebook group, just search War of the Stars. If you want to support, welcome your support anyway. Uh, a couple ways you can do that. First of all, is through our Patreon page. Patreon.com. Oh, thank you, Luke. Patreon.com forward slash War of the Stars. Um, there's also a support tab. Go to anchor.fm forward slash War of the Stars and for support, which is also where you can hear us through anchor.fm. You can also hear us wherever fine podcasts are heard. Spotify, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Radio Public, um, Apple Podcast, you name it. Just wherever you The other way, and one of the best ways and the coolest ways you can support us is through t-shirts. We have official merch. Uh, the link is in our on our Facebook group and on our uh, Twitter page. You can go there. You can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, coat bags, all kinds of cool stuff there. That would be um, wear some cool shirt, cool merch, and yeah, support the show that way. As I said, we'll be back next week as we look at uh, Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Until then, remember, this isn't just your Star Wars. This isn't just my Star Wars. This is our Star Wars. Until next week, may the Force be with you. Rising moons, everyone.